Welcome to Catechesis, also known as Cats and Jesus. Catechesis is Greek for teaching, and that's what our hosts, Reverend James Goodlett and Reverend Adam Roberts, will do with this podcast, Teach. Each week, they will study, discuss, and dissect the week's scripture and spoken word. Catechesis is a digital outreach of First Presbyterian Church of LaGrange. Welcome your hosts, James and Adam. Welcome to Catechesis, a production of Lewis and Broad Media. My name is James Goodlett, one of the pastors here at First Presbyterian Church in LaGrange, Georgia. We have got a good episode for y'all today, not only because it is a fascinating scripture, but also because Adam Roberts is in the house. Adam. Hello. Are you, like me, basking in the glory of the fifth straight division title for... I I have been basking so heavily, it has been a spiritual challenge. I will tell you, if you are listening to this and you are a Mets fan, you too are a child of God. (laughs) And having Uh, had to... God will comfort. Having had to experience many a gutting loss as an Atlanta sports fan... I can empathize. And now, Mets fans, if you survive the Padres, oh, and the Dodgers, then you too can have we'll an see you again. <laughs> to spank you again. Well, I will just say this. If we have to play the Cardinals, we have some demons to exercise. No doubt. So, Cardinals, got it. Cardinals got it coming. October baseball, you never know. But Ooh. sorry, y'all. If you're not sports fans, you don't care about the Atlanta professional baseball teams. Then what is wrong with you? Well... <laughs> There are other things. It's entertainment, people. Come on. It is. Let it be entertainment. I know. October seasonally is my favorite time of year, not just because of sports, not just because of football, playoff baseball. Those Saturdays are too the much Hawks for me. The Hawks are about to get cranky oh, again. Oh, the Hawks. Yes, sir. You know, it's, but oh my gosh, the weather this last week. True. And I will tell you, because uh, my son sings in the Young Singers of West Georgia, they sang God Bless America at Daga on Saturday. Oh, nice. I had my first experience <laughs> at Talladega. Super Speedway. It was a cultural experience. Man, you sort of drive through the woods and hills, and there it is. There it is. <laughs> so, beautiful time of year. Uh, you know what else is beautiful about this time of year, Adam? Mm, uh, you, you tell me. I will tell you. <laughs> I can think of a lot of things. Season four of the Lewis and Broad oh, yeah. flagship podcast. That's Lewis what I was thinking of. That's what I was thinking of. It has... Begun. It is beginning. Yes. We had our, I guess you could say our teaser episode drop. And you can find it on our website, lewisandbroad.org, on social media at Lewis and Broad. We will be focusing on, for season four, we will be focusing on the ways that people work with and advocate for the children in our community. Right on. Because children are important. They are not. I believe they are the future. Do you believe that? Because I also think they are the present. Teach them well. Let them lead the way. I see what you're doing there. They possess so much beauty inside with a sense of pride. Okay. That's, are, en- that's enough. Are you quoting? What are you quoting? <laughs> is that a Whitney Houston song? Yeah, I believe. That you're, it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there it goes. Okay. So anyways, we are focusing on children and their importance in the present and in the future 
Hope you'll tune in. We've got some great guests that are going to be coming up. Leighton Parker, a.k.a. Aunt Rhonda, can you... What's up, Leighton? Can you come on, Mike, and tell us a little bit about Season 4 since you're the one, the driving force behind the season. What all do we have on tap for the flagship, as I call it every time we're on here, the flagship podcast of Lewis and Broad Media? We have Troop County Rec Department. They're going to come and talk about all the programs they offer for children here in the community. The art museum is going to join us and share all of the classes that ha- that they have for kids. And finally, to wrap up the programming aspect of season four, we will have... Kids Zone. Kids Zone. Thank you. Focusing on mental and emotional health. Yep. So I'm excited. Yeah, that'll be the first half of season four. There's six episodes. And the latter half of the season will be more how organizations and or individuals advocate for children. So, might have some folks, organizations, I can imagine in our community, success by six potentially, safe families, sleep in heavenly peace. And, you know, it could be any of those folks, but stay tuned for more information. I love it. Looking forward to it. Letting, letting, letting. I'm trying to give it the Gaelic with the GH in there. I can't. I don't know if that's going to translate well it's over not. podcast medium. Sorry, podcasters. Sorry about that. Let's talk about the scripture for the week. Yes, what we are here to do. The scripture of the week for Sunday, October the 9th, is a famous one. I, I feel like I say that a lot because, you know, there are scriptures that aren't infamous or not famous Uh, that's true yeah some are better known than others some are obscure but this one from the end of matthew chapter 28 verses 16 through 20 is oft quoted not referred to not obscure if you're a church person who's been around the old church but i don't want to i don't want to assume that's the word i'm looking for that everybody who listens to this is churched or understands churchies. Correct. So, Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, commonly referred to as? The great commissary. No. Wrong. Commission. The great commission. The great commission. It happens, and we're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in Matthew. Again, this could be a podcast series in and of itself. But we'll give a brief, very brief overview of what's going on here in Matthew. Obviously, Matthew 28, if you have your scriptures open, you'll notice that it's the very end of the gospel. So what we're seeing here is Jesus in one of his resurrection accounts. And there are differences in the resurrection accounts between the various four gospels. Mark, for instance, just Mark just ends. Mark, they just open the tomb. Yeah. He's not in there, and they run away in fear. The and oldest, oldest manuscripts, they run away in terror. I mean, they subsequently came back and added more. Mm-hmm. So uh, Mark 16, I believe. It's Some very, very old, but not quite as old manuscripts That's ha- right. have an addendum. So m- 1 through 8 is the original, and then they add on. But if you stop it with the original at verse 8, they just, they're running away in fear and amazement. Which makes complete sense. Now, Luke... Luke 
And, and Matthew are somewhat similar, but Luke is really preparing the disciples to become apostles, you know, Acts, what happens in Acts, it's setting the stage for Acts. John, as John is, it's not one of the synoptics, which is a word that means one of the scene togethers. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all very similar. There's a lot of crossover there. John is its own animal. John's different. Matthew, though, if you wanted to describe a way of summarizing Matthew, it's not the only way, but it is a way, is Matthew really enforces and emphasizes Jesus' Jewish roots. For instance, in the, in the genealogy in Matthew, it goes back to, and I know people love genealogies. They're riveting reading. But actually, <laughs> they can unveil some intent on the part of the writer. That's right. Just think about how you tell the story of your family tree, you know? That's right. You're going to emphasize certain aspects of your family tree, and then you might eh, just gloss over some. <laughs> but in Matthew, we're going to say, we're going to tell you where it ends. But Luke, let me t- just say this as a, a means of comparison. Luke is a story about, and you see it with its second volume in Acts, about taking the gospel of Jesus from the Jews or the Jewish culture to the ends of the earth. So if you look at the genealogy in Luke, it actually goes all the way back to Adam, i.e. the the beginning of all humankind. The original Adam. That's right. Now, Matthew, on the other hand, doesn't go all the way back to Adam. Matthew goes back to Abraham the forefather of God's chosen people. So what Matthew is setting out to do is to emphasize Jesus's Jewish roots. You even have in Matthew the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus stands on a mountainside and proclaims God's new order. Sounds very much like somebody else. It's a very prophetic sort of thing to do, or leader like Moses. Exactly. So Jesus as a sort of new Moses. That is what's happening in Matthew. And, you know, throughout the Gospels, almost anytime anything uh, of significance happens or that is specific, Matthew will say, and this happened to fulfill the prophecy. Uh, And sometimes even quote the, the piece of the Old Testament that is fulfilled. Very. So that's thematically what's, what's happening here. Now you have this post resurrection account. And there are some interesting pieces here just within these five verses, 16 to 20. Now the 11 disciples, because, you know, there were only 11 then. Somebody else had gone away, Judas, to the mountain. Uh Uh-oh, mountain. That's code. Whenever you see mountain, you mountain means something. There are certain words in Scripture that should bring up certain images. It would have been red flags for the listeners. Mountain, things happen. When there were mountains, things happen on the mountains. I mean, if you think about all the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, so if this was about a new new Moses, Jesus as, as Jewish Messiah, so to speak, well, think about what happens on mountains. Moses and mountains. Abraham and Isaac happened on a mountainside. Just all kinds of... And that, that's the mountain that becomes the temple site, ultimately. 
Yeah. Right. So, so mountain means something significant, some sort of divine encounter. Eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped him. Okay. This is fascinating to me. You and I talked about this Truly. in pre Jesus has been killed. He is dead. They watched this happen. They saw this happen. Or if they didn't see it, they, they had to have heard all about it. Then all of a sudden, he's back. They see him, but some still doubted. Adam, what in the world <laughs> is that about? <laughs> it's comforting to me. It is um, a depth of human ability to doubt, I think. But it, uh, it's comforting to me if they could have doubt then maybe we ought not be so hard on ourselves when we struggle and, and doubt sometimes. And they're not kicked out for it. They still get to be there. Yeah, it's, fa- it's fascinating to me that the writer Matthew chose to include that. <laughs> that does feel a little like a dig at the doubters. I mean, some doubted. Yeah, some still, <laughs> um, still doubted. I mean, seriously, when they saw him, they worshipped him. And then, now, I don't know if the original writers of the manuscript were keen on the usage of the semicolon. In my translation, there's a semicolon after worshiped him, but some doubted. But at any rate, at any rate, it is just it is fascinating to me that in spite of everything, they see him there in their presence in their midst and they still doubt. And and I, I think you're right. I think I think it is of comfort to some degree that even those who were right there and saw it out, I mean, what were they doubting? Were they doubting it was really he, the Christ who was there right there? Were they doubting themselves? Were they doubting what to do? Were they, what were they doubting? It doesn't say. It just says, but some doubted. Mm-hmm. I, I can almost imagine it as a, a doubt that's a sort of overwhelm, you know? Like, is this really? I've had that thought before. What would happen if Jesus actually, you know, appeared in the midst of one of our Sunday morning worship services? The last person we expect to see at worship would be Jesus. True. <laughs> I, would, I, uh, I, I might doubt. It'd be a showstopper. I, well, I would, uh, I'd, I'd run. I'd jump out the window. I don't know what I'd do. I want to I say I would say, you know, uh, be a very official pastory and uh, uh, worship appropriately. Come, everyone, let us worship the Lord. No, I'd be running. Somebody better get out of my way. Just the image of you... <laughs> Leaping through some hey, stained glass. You see that old you see that old pulling guard come out and clear the aisle. You know, Jesus' resurrection counts accounts are 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 very they're steeped in mystery. You know, in Luke, I think about they didn't recognize him when they were on the road to Emmaus. Only in the breaking of bread did they recognize right. him. It's almost as if if there is a consistency. And you see it even in, in, in some of the accounts of the initial appearance when he was mistaken for a gardener. Mm-hmm. There's some consistency that they don't really, can't really wrap their minds around. Wait, oh, wait, wait. It's you. And, and it's interesting. I think it was Mary who, it, it was only after it's the name. he says her name, it's Mary, the name. and then yeah. she says, Rabbi. And then, like I said in Luke, there's the breaking of the bread. Only then do they really get it. So maybe there's 
just some, there's processing there happening. There's doubt that really this, is this too good to be true? Which yeah. I can relate to that as well. Oh, it's amazingly human. Yeah. So then Jesus goes on to say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, which draws my mind this heaven and on earth piece creation the heavens and the earth tying jesus to the god of creation but then i will say let's talk a little bit about verse 19 because i think i i I think there's some stuff there to unpack go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All right, let's, first of all, baptism. Let's go back to our sacraments classes in seminary. (laughs) Adam Roberts, (laughs) what is baptism? (laughs) Well, you know, it depends on your Christian tradition, I suppose, although there's some things in common. Uh, Through them all, all of us practice uh, uh, a baptism based in profession of faith. So I'm able to say for myself, I have faith in Jesus. I want to be baptized. I go through this incredible symbolic act, sacramental act of grace. Um, Of course, some traditions like Methodism, Presbyterian Church, others uh, also will baptize those who are too young or otherwise unable to speak for themselves. And that um, demonstrates the work of God and the nature of God to love that person uh, who is every bit as worthy of baptism. And so in that sense, it's also an emphasis on entrance into the community, into the body is the metaphor that Jesus uses often. There is incredible power in the imagery of death and life uh, in baptism. You think about that uh, old tradition, think about old traditional river baptism and to, to be laid back into the water, under the water, and then to come up. So this symbolic drowning of the old, the, the death of the old, and the resurrection to new life. Yeah, so, we don't capture that as much in the <clears throat> sprinkling we typically yes, do. Yes, you don't get a world. lot of immersion in Methodism either, although it's possible. and mm-hmm. does, It does is happen. Us too. Yeah, it does happen. Uh, and it's really beautiful, I think. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, this, this beautiful imagery around death and life. So it, it's baptism really is tied to resurrection for me, uh, tremendously so. Uh, and, and sometimes that's something we overlook with it. But an enacting of, of new life, resurrection, new possibility. Yeah, newness. newness. So it's this cleansing act. Change. It's, it's a yeah. sign of God's grace, a symbol mm-hmm. of God's grace. We are washed clean. We are welcomed into the household of God. Some traditions, as you've said, we, we, our traditions, Presbyterians and Methodists, we will baptize babies because we call that grace irresistible, so to speak. We, we, God is gracious to us even when we cannot make that claim for ourselves. Mm-hmm. There are other Christian traditions which say, no, you need to be able to stand up and make this decision, this conscious decision to be baptized it's a very public piece, and you need to be, have ownership in it, agency. Either way, it is it is an initiation right, a cleansing right, those sorts yeah. of things. Yeah. But here's here's my concern about interpretation of this particular verse. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Is it possible, Adam? 
and I, I know this is a leading question <laughs> I, because I think it is possible to interpret this in almost a militant Oh, way. yeah, absolutely. So the mate can sound like the sort of verb that is go go into the world and do something to people. <laughs> I, had a, I had a mentor once who said to me, he said, you know when somebody's trying to do something to you and nobody likes it. <laughs> and he was really talking about people that come knock on your door. And he's like, they're, they're there because they want to do something to you. And uh, So, yeah, we could, we could take it to mean that we're supposed to go out and uh, force it. convert people uh, by whatever means almost, yeah. And in the history of Christianity, that's been the case. If it means we force you at sword point, let's do that hundreds of years ago. Which turns the Great Commission almost into a crusading commission. It's not so nice. Not so nice. So what do you think then? How would you interpret this? How do you see this Yeah, personally? Uh, you know, with balance, uh, the there is certainly a, a problem sometimes in Christianity that we, for the sake of being so nice, we never get into a place that's uncomfortable uh, for any reason. I don't think that is appropriate. It's going to be uncomfortable sometimes to be a follower of Jesus. In fact, according to Jesus, it, it often will be as we go about our, our way through the world. So I think we are so fully Jesus followers ourselves with, according to Jesus, agape love so clear in our relationships, in our way of being, uh, maybe I'm woo-woo enough to say in our energy. I mean, there ought to be this loving presence of grace, hope, love around us uh, that invites people into that life and into relationship, and we're not afraid to talk about Jesus and about why faith in Jesus is important to us in a way that invites them, and perhaps it makes them into something else in time, but it's God doing the, the making for me always. That's, that's important. Yeah, that's interesting. We, we have a, a joke. I don't know if y'all have this joke, pseudo joke <laughs> in, in Methodist world, but in Presby world, evangelism is a four letter word. Ah, we say administration is a four letter word for well, most pastors. That's true. <laughs> w O R K. And I think it's because that word evangelism <laughs> has been commandeered by a certain ideology. Yeah, it's, it's, it's come to mean a political viewpoint. Yeah. And or even even before all that, which we can do again another podcast <laughs> series on that. But I think it's this idea, and especially it's become more this way. My 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 read on it has become more this way with emerging generations, right? So not just millennials, but Gen Zs and and whatever comes next. I heard I heard I was at a conference last week, and the next generation apparently is called the Alpha Generation. Interesting. So we're going back to the beginning of the alphabet. Makes sense. So anyways, this fear of imposing your worldview, your truth upon somebody else. And I guess you can interpret the Great Commission from that perspective of, oh gosh, Jesus wants me to go and make disciples of all nations, wants me to baptize them, or what? What if it's my truth? What about their truth? Et cetera, et cetera. And maybe it's, maybe we need to get over ourselves and rethink or reimagine what evangelism or the Great Commission really mean. Because if you think about it, that's not really good news if you force it upon somebody. 
No, not at all. No, and I would even say it's not really good news if it's I'm not going to really love you fully or be fully in relationship with you. You unless, are a number. Yeah, unless you do this. And then even if you do this, I might not fully be in a relationship with you. Yeah. Now, I guess taken positively, you could say, well, I'm trying to save people. But even then, that's 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 in my opinion, that's given us way too much credit. It takes it takes it takes a lot of responsibility upon ourselves. It does. So maybe the Great Commission can be reinterpreted, or maybe maybe some of you already interpreted this way. But for me, it's this is one of those scriptures that I have to stand back and and think about it and through the lens of the whole of Scripture, how I interpret Jesus's salvific action. I mean, another one that's really can be hard is no one comes to the father, but through me, right. And John, this is another one that Matthew 28, that can be difficult, but I would say maybe the good news then is sharing that Jesus isn't just about, well, I'm, I'm here to save you from the depths of a tormenting hell, fire and brimstone, those sorts of things. But Jesus is about new life in heaven on earth in the here and the now. Justice, righteousness, love. And, and yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting images of like a leper who suddenly is physically clean. Uh, a woman at the well who thought she was worthless, who now believes she has incredible worth. And these things were immediate, and those people were disciples. They are seen. They yes. are heard, and you see that in the last phrase of this commission. You see, he says, in teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and then I love this last line, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Even if you doubt or if you worship, or if you felt, or if you feel unseen, or seen, or if you're hurt, or if you're oppressed, or suppressed, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's not just news that's about, oh, I got to get in line. I got to do this in order to get into heaven. No, it is to know that you are deeply and profoundly loved. Yes, it's freeing. A lot of freedom there. Not not conformity. Yeah, that's right. Good. So, maybe that's a different way of looking at this. Maybe you struggle with this scripture. Maybe you haven't really thought two licks about it, or maybe you already were there. I would love to hear, we would love to hear what you think about the Great Commission, if you've ever engaged it in this way. But if you'd like to engage us on this very scripture, because I'm sure you have your thoughts, do so on social media, at Loose and Broad, on Facebook, on Instagram, wherever it is you are. Adam, always a pleasure to dive into the word with you as a fellow Braves fan. For Leighton Parker and the very strange but very much loved Adam Roberts, thank you for tuning into Catechesis. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us this week at Catechesis. Follow along on our social media and our websites at fpclagrange.org and lewisandbroad.org. Until next week.